Welcome to another story podcast from The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson. We're the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by Carl Loveday at our live storytelling event at the end of March, when the theme was Second Chances. Carl likes to describe himself using this haiku. Carl Loveday my name, going within or without, all good with one O. Here is Carl's story. I was 32 years old. I was living in Sarasota, Florida, going down Cattleman on my scooter like I usually did, cruising through traffic, weaving in and out, feeling the summer breeze on my face. It was May. And weaving in and out of traffic, I pulled out to the right shoulder and before me I saw a bus pulling out. And rather than hit that bus, my instinct was to jerk to the right. And I headed towards the curb. When I hit that curb, the impact was so great that I went flying through the air. I was hurled over the handlebars of the scooter. And all I could think to myself while I was flying through the air was, cover your head. And so I put both arms over my head and I could feel myself slowly flipping in midair. And I braced for impact. And when I hit, I could hear and I could feel my left arm breaking. I heard this snap and this twisting grind. And once I stopped rolling, I assessed myself to make sure no other body parts were bleeding or there was no other impact anywhere else. And I was real hesitant to look at my arm, but when I did, the bone was almost popping out of the skin. And I just remember thinking in that moment, what am I gonna do? I'm out here in the middle of traffic. There seemed like there was no one that was gonna help me. And I looked up and I saw the bus driver say, do you want me to call an ambulance? And all I could think in that moment was, I need to reset this bone. So I grabbed my wrist as hard as I could. I pulled my arm down with a hard jerk and twisted it. And with that twist, I could feel the grinding and the just everything. It just seemed so muddled. All the, all, all the parts in my arm just grinding and twisting. And I finally felt it like it reset. And immediately I felt my arm starting to swell. And rather than an elbow, I looked down at a softball. It just started swelling so quickly. And I felt, well, that feels about right when you reset a bone because I'd done it before. And <laughs> I picked up this little red mangled scooter who had become like my trusty friend. It was something that was not only got me around town, but it made me feel free when I rode it. And I just looked at it and the first thought that came to my head was that poor scooter. I didn't think about my arm. I didn't think about the pain I was going through. And it kind of helped me get through that moment. And this guy walked up to me and he kind of took me out of the pain for just a, a brief second. And he said, wow, that's a nice scooter, man. Too bad it's all fucked up now. And I just laughed with him for that second. He kind of walked out of my life. And then that's when the pain really set in. And I realized that my arm was severely broken. But being a numbskull that I am, I refused to get medical attention. I decided I was going to walk to my friend's house that I was originally going to. So I did. And she, of course, freaked out. 
and she wanted to call an ambulance and all these other things and I wouldn't let her I just said no I'll get a ride I'll go to Walgreens I'll get a sling and I'll be fine <laughs> so for two months I just immobilized my arm I feel I don't need any MDs I'm a champ I'm gonna get through this well I never really did my arm's still broken and shortly after that, all of a sudden, I start having aches and pains throughout my whole body. I don't know what to do. I start fatigue is setting in. I'm starting to have mental fog that I've never had before. I'm really good at bullshitting. So once that power was taken away from me, I knew something was really wrong. <laughs> and so I decided to see a doctor, something I should have probably done in the first place when I broke my arm. And when I did, they told me, well, sir, you must have broken your arm this past weekend, right? And I said, no, it's been a year and a half. And the doctor told me something seriously wrong with you with the fatigue you have, with this brain fog um, and the overall body pain that you have. I'm going to do a Lyme disease panel. And so they ran these tests. And eventually, I was sitting in my room in the middle of my bed, just enjoying the sunlight like I do on most days when when I'm just sitting at home alone in the quiet and the phone rings and I answer it and there's this lady on the other end of the line from the CDC and she tells me it was almost like getting rejected from something she tells me I regret to inform you sir but you have Lyme disease and I sat there in that moment and all I could think was what why I mean I know we want answers when we're sick but this one was such a vague one I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what the disease was. I thought it came from ticks. And I tried thinking in my head, when's the last time I was around any ticks or out in the forest and, and would be subjected to something like this? And I, I couldn't remember. So after the diagnosis, I decided I was going to listen to the doctors. They must know something about this disease. And so I went in and I took two weeks of antibiotics, which they prescribed. And within the next two weeks, it was hard to walk. Um, my body began to completely shut down and I felt so helpless I thought here are the people that are supposed to know what to do and what they said doesn't work where do I go now I lost complete trust in anyone that told me that they could heal me or do something for me and as I shut down to any sort of advice or any sort of cures my body shut down to. For two years, I was bedridden. The only thing that got me around was my wheelchair. And I remember thinking, is this going to get any worse? And it did. I began to have seizures. And the pain just got worse. And I refused to take any medication because I felt these medications that they're telling me to take, do they even know what they'll do? And I felt they didn't, so I didn't. And the more I went down the rabbit hole of trying to find out what this disease was and what it meant to have it and connect with other people that had it, things got really dark. And as they got darker, I felt like there was no more light and I gave in. I gave in to that darkness and I thought to myself, I'm going to die. And that's when everything changed. 
I have a spiritual guide that I follow, and in this darkest, deepest moment, I decided, well, I'm saying goodbye to everyone else in my family. I'm saying goodbye to my daughter. I'm saying goodbye to everyone I love. I need to go say bye to him too. And so I went down to Santa Fe. It was August. It was beautiful weather down there. It was this little ranch just outside of Santa Fe. It was a beautiful retreat. And all I could think was, here I am to say goodbye to my best friend. And when I walked in to see him, and we sat down together, he just held my hand. And he looked at me and he said, Carl, this is just a body. You are more than this body. This too shall pass. And in that moment, I felt, I just felt relieved. I felt like instead of coming to say goodbye, he was saying hello. Well, things really changed after that. And as my heart opened up, so did all these opportunities. All of a sudden things came into my life that I was so against. Alternative therapies, people who said, we can help you. And as I opened up to those opportunities, my body opened up. And rather than pain, I felt joy. The physical pain was still there, don't get me wrong, it still is. It's still sitting in this chair right now, in this audience, I hurt. And I feel that pain, but I see it as a blessing. I see it as an opportunity, an opportunity to go beyond the physical while still in the physical. And one day I was over at my daughter's mother's house. We were just outside and enjoying a beautiful fall day, hanging out with the horses and her step-siblings were there and we were just having a nice time together. And as I was about to leave, my ex-wife comes up to me and she hands me this stack of papers. And I said, what's this? And she said, just read it. Well, I went home, I sat down on my bed and I pulled out the stack of papers and it just happened to be an essay that my daughter had written for her English class in high school. And immediately when I started reading it, I started bawling because I knew where this story was going. It was about triumph. It was about going through hardships and realizing that those hardships are what mold us into the human beings we become. And I just remember weeping so deeply but feeling so joyous because this was the culmination of my experience. She was narrating for me through her experience what I was going through. And it was so powerful because my daughter's so stoic. She takes on things that maybe teenagers don't need to take on. And she does it with a grace, with a grace that actually gave me the opportunity to move through this disease in a way that I'm walking again. I'm moving again. I'm being her dad again. And I thought all those things were being taken away from me. And they were. They're being given back to me. I might have Lyme disease, but Lyme disease does not have me.
Thanks, Carl, for telling your story. To hear more stories like this one, subscribe to the Raven Narratives podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or Stitcher, where you can also leave comments and share these stories with your friends. And to find out what the themes will be at upcoming events and to pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives live storytelling event, go to our website at ravennarratives.org, check out the events page, and then fill out the form on the contact page to pitch your story. The Raven Narratives also offers group and one-on-one storytelling services to support organizations and businesses. More on those services is also on our website. You can also see a photo gallery of our storytellers there, taken by the incredible McCarson Lee of Red Scarf Shots Photography. Find out more about her photography services for shooting your portraits or special events at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. Now for an outtake. <laughs> Riding horses and traipsing through the coastal footholes. <laughs> the footholes. <laughs> oh no. Oh yes, the footholes. <laughs> they hurt when you step on them, but they're beautiful. <laughs> it's the hole of a foot. <laughs> what are you doing? We're going to go see the footholes in Southern California. <laughs>